ready? Born ready. We are back. It's another episode of your favorite political podcast, Where the Party At. Y'all, I'm sorry. I think I missed two weeks in a row. It's just been a little hectic over here. I had some travel for work. I had a birthday. Turn, you know, let's just say 26 again. <laughs> um, but we're back. We're back. And there has been so much that has happened so I'm not going to catch you up on everything over the past two weeks, but we're going to talk about some stuff that is just, it's on repeat. One of these is Cop City. Every week in Atlanta, there's something that happens about Cop City. So the latest is that Mayor Andre Dickens and DeKalb County CEO Mike Thurman held a press conference and they announced that the county, DeKalb County, has approved what's called a land disturbance permit, which means that they can start to build Cop City. They can start to bring in the bulldozers, take down the trees, remove all the stuff that's there, all of that. So the mayor said that uh, he regrets that the narrative, that the city's communication around Cop City kind of got away from him i'm like you think i mean i don't know what they're doing i mean it's been incredibly rocky the whole way through my my guess is that they thought oh this is just a couple of people this is gonna not be a big deal if we give it um you know any credence or pay attention to it then it will blow up and in fact the opposite occurred and it was gonna blow up anyway so the latest um, is that 53 Morehouse professors wrote a letter stating their opposition to the Cop City uh, building. The president of Morehouse is on the Atlanta Police Foundation board. So the mayor held a closed-door meeting with Morehouse students, and it got super hot. Take a listen to this. It's all going to be lit. So, so do you know that that's a fire? Nah. Hey, let me just share this with you. I ain't never been no sellout. You can't, you can't, you, you, you gotta check. You got the wrong resume that you're looking at. I know we, I know we like to yell and, and yell, uh, shout out things just to be heard. You've been heard. You've been heard. But guess what? You picked the wrong resume to pull on a race car. You pulled, you pulled the wrong one. My, my, my deck is stacked with, with all that. So let's go. <laughs> he was called a sellout and a coon by black students there at Morehouse. And it was, see, it was AUC students. It wasn't just Morehouse. He was pissed. Um, that was interesting. Uh, another thing that happened is that the Atlanta Police Department released their body cam footage from the day that the activist Tortuguita died. Uh, this is really interesting because one of the first things we heard was that there wasn't body cam footage of the shooting of the incident because the state patrol doesn't have 
body cameras. They don't use body cameras. Uh, the the law enforcement narrative is that Tortuguita, who uses who used they them pronouns, that they fired at a state patro- state patrol trooper and shot the trooper. In return, the state patrol fired back, and thirteen shots hit Tortuguita, which obviously they died from that. The Georgia Bureau of Investigations is handling the investigation, which has been a bit of controversy for some. Um, they announced that they did have evidence that Tort indeed had a gun on site and that they had purchased that weapon. So the GBI protocol is that when there's an active investigation, you don't release footage because while an investigation is active, they're still interviewing all parties, still collecting the facts and then the evidence and all that. But APD had to release the footage because there was an open records request and it wasn't APD's investigation, which meant that APD was bound by law to release the footage. So the defend the forest slash stop cop city narrative is that the trooper was shot by friendly fire. They said that immediately after Tort was killed. What's interesting is that APD released their footage and one of the officers, one of the APD officers says, and I quote, is this target practice and man, you effed up your own officer. Now there's some discrepancy about if the APD officer was actually even close enough to have seen what happened. So this is like the situation just keeps getting murkier and murkier. DeKalb County Commissioner Ted Terry, who his district is part of where this location is, he said he's going to introduce legislation that would ban the DeKalb County Police Department from working with other law enforcement agencies that don't require the use of body cameras, which I thought was interesting. Um, I'm curious to see if the shooting and everything that happens after is a catalyst for the state patrol to have body cams, I, I would think at this day and age, you would want law enforcement to have body cameras um, because ultimately it seems like it's a greater liability to not have body cameras. And if you're in an age where there's already so much mistrust and it's, he said, he said, or they, you know, like you just, it, it's better to have the evidence than to have to take one person's word over the other. So three members of Congress, representatives Rashida Tlaib and Cori Bush and Senator Ed Merkley, have all called for an independent investigation into Tort's death. Um, I mentioned Morehouse. Also, Emory, more than 100 healthcare professionals and students signed a letter urging Dr. Claire Sturck, who's the former president of Emory University and who was also on the Atlanta Police Foundation board, as well as Dr. Douglas Murphy, another person affiliated with Emory. These uh, professors and students signed a letter urging them to resign from the Atlanta Police Foundation board. Dr. Sterk has resigned. I don't hadn't seen anything yet about Dr. Murphy resigning. And so that brings me to the latest thing happening, and that is I'd mentioned that the press conference between the county and the city was about issuing the land use disturbance permit. 
But now there is an appeal. A resident has has put up appeal, uh, which would be would ask this, the county to stop construction of the site. So what happened? This resident named Amy Taylor, who also happens to be on the community board for uh, the redevelopment for, for the building of Cop City. So she lives next door and she filed an appeal to the county's zoning board. This is DeKalb County. And it says in the appeal, and I quote, the planning director erred by issuing a land use, a land development permit for the Atlanta police training center because sediment discharges from the site during cleaning, clearing, grading, and construction would exceed the numeric waste load allocation for Entrenchment Creek in violation of state and federal law. All that means is that she's saying it's an environmental violation to proceed with this land disturbance permit. So the big question is that if this, while this is being appealed, does construction have to stop for the appeal to go through? The Atlanta Police Foundation is saying that construction can and should continue during the appeal process. But the issue is that the land that the training center is on is zoned for residential use, not commercial. And DeKalb zoning code says that if there's an appeal on land that's for residential use, construction has to stop until the zoning board of appeals issues a decision. It's kind of in the weeds, but it's just fascinating to see the bit of a ping pong match here uh, of all the little different things that are happening. Um, Gen Z for change. We talk a lot about Gen Z and their political engagement. So Gen Z for change is a national group of Gen Z folks who use tech and social media for activism. They have put out a call, uh, to help stop cop city. Take a listen to this. Sent false applications to stop union busting Starbucks locations, help grocery store workers in Southern California and graduate students at Berkeley. Now it's time for us to disrupt again to stop Cop City, aka a $90 million police training facility that will destroy up to 380 acres of precious Atlanta forest. The facility will train cops around the country on how to inflict military tactics on their respective communities. Forest Defender has already been murdered to protect these forests, proving yet again that this is not about safety. Here is how we disrupt. Two contractors have already dropped out of Cop City due to our collective pressure. Now it's time to get the rest. With a click of a button, you can send an automatically generated email to contractors, funders, and local public officials to stop Cop City. You literally just click the button above and send the email. You can also send an automatically generated tweet. Really get that public pressure going. This is every issue that we care about wrapped in one. Please get involved and send as many emails as you can. They put together a website where you can... Um at the click of a button, email your local elected officials. You can respond to them on social media. Man, this issue is not going away anytime soon. And I really hope the mayor and his communications team gets this and maybe acts a little bit differently in how they're communicating about Cop City. But is the issue... They don't want it at that location because of the trees, like, or would they still protest Cop City if they did it somewhere else? I I think a contingent of people, yes, absolutely would. I think the forest defender folks would protest it no matter what. Part of the problem, I believe, is how we got here, where people publicly were 
you know, went to city council and said we are opposed to this. I think part of the problem is that folks don't feel that their their voices are being heard throughout the process. Um, there was a, an issue around, I mentioned the whole zoning thing, right? And so when a property is zoned commercial, there are certain public engagement requirements that they have to go through. But because this is still zoned residential, they don't have to go through those requirements. Right. Yeah, so there's the like cops gonna be living there too, so that's why they uh, there's uh, yeah, I think they're of, gonna have housing on. I'm yeah, not hundred percent they did say that. They did like, say that, yeah. Housing, so, that makes, so yeah, there's a lot yeah, of yeah. It, it's I think it's more the process. I mean, you remember this happened during the mayoral election, right? And the folks who voted on it felt that they had to vote yes because otherwise the number of people who are on the Atlanta Police Foundation board, the number of heavy hitter companies, they felt like, oh, if I vote, if I vote against this, they're not going to support my election. So I think there's just a, it's a number of things that this is just like building on itself more and more and more. Yeah. You know, shout out to the Gen Zers, you know. Do some work. Yeah, I mean, I like you know, it. they are they're getting engaged. Whether Using you technology. whether you agree with how they feel about this or not, I mean, they aren't engaging on the issue. So there's that. <laughs> but I think, yeah, everything. I've talked to a couple of people who were at Morehouse at the Morehouse event with the with the mayor, and they were like, it was, it was bad. Was, yeah, I think it's I saw, next, a trend, I saw a trending on Twitter, so I was like, yeah, they eat them up. Yeah. That the honeymoon is over. Pivoting to some a quick couple of Georgia politics hits. This is kind of funny to me. Um <laughs> so Georgia Senate Republicans are trying to honor a black US Supreme Court justice. This is a man who is a native of Pinpoint, Georgia, which is near Savannah. This black man is the longest serving member of the court. Who might I be talking about? Who do Georgia Republicans, Senate Republicans want to honor? None other than U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. <laughs> so <laughs> in the AJC, State Senator Emanuel Jones, who is a black man, is quoted as saying, I wouldn't want my little grandsons and granddaughters to come up here and be told the Clarence Thomas story. I'm like, Clarence Thomas grew up incredibly poor and he became a U.S. Supreme Court justice. Is that, is that story that bad? I, I think he deserves a statue in his home city if the people there want to honor him. Not at the state capitol, but in his home city. Oh, this is going to be at the state capitol? I thought yes. this is going to be no. at Pinpoint. Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> Hold up. No. This is going to be at the state capitol. Uh, I don't know. A Pinpoint, I'm down for the Pinpoint uh, <laughs> capital, wherever the uh, mayor of Pinpoint <laughs> resides. You can put it there. Uh, the state. But it is history. And in, in politics aside, you know, longest serving black men on the U.S. Supreme Court. You know, but if I'm on code, I wouldn't vote for it. But I would tell them to do it in pinpoint. Like, I hear you. And I will allow state funds to fund it in yeah. pinpoint. There you go. That's a compromise. That seems like a good compromise. 
that's I just had to mention it because it's just a funny story to me. No, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> I, it, it, it's funny to hear what's going on with tax dollars and tax people say a payer's time. Like this is what we're debating. Yeah. Okay. But what's also unsaid about this is that black Democrats are loath to acknowledge the accomplishments of black Republicans or black conservatives. All right. One more Georgia hit. Uh, the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, met a couple weekends ago. I've mentioned this, and they decided to back a proposal by President Biden to shuffle the Democratic primary so the timeline, the sequence. So instead of Iowa going first, South Carolina, Keith, your state, would become the first primary state. And that primary would take place February 3rd, 2024, less than a year from now. Gosh. Um, <laughs> That's exciting. I'm going to go down there for that. Yeah. They would be followed by New Hampshire. No change. New Hampshire has always been second. And then Nevada. And the big change here is that Nevada would do a primary instead of a caucus. Um, and then the how this relates to Georgia, Georgia would become the fourth state. So that election would be February 13th which we're taping on a Sunday, so it'd be tomorrow. Or if you're listening on Tuesday, yesterday. Wow. Um, and then after Georgia would be Michigan on February 27th. And then you've got Super Tuesday after that, which is in early March. So here's where this gets a little complicated. The Republican lineup is different. It's Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and then Nevada. So if we do this, that means that Georgia, Georgia becomes a fourth state. That means that Georgia would have to have two separate primary elections. The only way that's going to happen is if the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, who's a Republican, signs on to the plan. Same for Governor Kemp. Neither one of them have signed on to the plan. So what's going to happen? We're just going to have to wait and see. Now, last year, Bernie Sanders, his 2020 campaign manager, wrote an op-ed in the New York Times, and he blasted Biden for pushing for South Carolina to go first. Sanders folks said they'd actually prefer if Georgia was first because we are a more diverse state. But if they had to absolutely change the order, they would want Nevada to be the first state. Now, remember, South Carolina saved Biden and absolutely crushed Bernie. And that was the whole narrative about Bernie has a black people problem. Same thing for Pete Buttigieg. And, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, we'll see what happens. I don't see Georgia Republicans acquiescing and letting Georgia move up just to benefit Democrats. Uh, by the way, Kemp has launched a new pack, the Hardworking Americans Pack. And I don't know if he's going to run for president, but... He's definitely keeping his name, you know. President Kemp. President Kemp. You heard it here first. Or a vice president. Mm. I don't know. We'll see. No, I don't see Kemp as the vice president. Type you don't know? Nah, nah. Top position. <laughs> top position. <laughs> Kemp's the alpha dog. Yeah, you got, got to be at the top. Man. Well, mm. speaking of another governor who might run for president, pretty likely at this point, all but, all but declared, Ron DeSantis in Florida. So last year we talked about DeSantis pushing, uh, planning to punish Disney because 
they publicly spoke out against his don't say gay bill. And, and, re, and they also paused all political donations to Republicans and Democrats in the state. So DeSantis went off and what he had originally planned to do was have the state legislator vote to strip Disney of its special tax district status. But then they realized what that would mean the counties that Disney is in would end up having to cover the cost of maintaining all this public land that Disney has been maintaining for free or their Disney's paying the expense for it. And so Republicans were like, okay, we can't let that happen. So they figured out a workaround. Disney would keep the special tax credit. They just did this. The state legislature just did this. Disney will keep the special tax credit, but they will no longer be able to appoint the five members of that board. Now the governor gets to appoint the five members of Disney's special tax credit board. So here's how one Florida Democrat described what's happening. It's like if Disney, this is a quote, if it's like if Disney is operating in a low security prison where they can still do what they want to do, but now there's guards around them all the time. They can't speak up against the governor ever. So this is one of those things that it's kind of, you know, Disney essentially gets a bit of a slap on the wrist. The governor is able to say, I, you know, I stopped woke from happening. And if he really wants to, he can F with Disney a little bit. Uh, we'll see. Um, all right, let's move on to what you all are waiting for. The balloon bust slash alien invasion that's happening in the United States. <laughs> So, I mean, it's Aquarius season, so this is when things get a little weird. I don't know. But <laughs> in the past, like, 10 days, we had the Chinese spy balloon get shot down. We had two unidentified objects get shot down. And this is by F-22, F-22 fighter jets, right? This is like the elite of the U.S. military shooting down these peculiar objects. I don't know what's going on, Keith, but I just hope the aliens like black people. <laughs> so, I have a strong feeling that they do. <laughs> so the State Department said that the spy balloon effort was part of a Chinese surveillance program targeting more than 40 countries. On Sunday... Dang. The day we're taping, a Chinese government-run media outlet said that an unidentified flying object was found on the off the east coast of China, and it's going to be shot down. Is it true? Is it not true? I don't know. And then in January last month, folks in Hawaii saw green lasers in the sky. I hadn't even heard of this one, Keith. They had they saw green lasers in the sky, and it looked like the green code from the Matrix. You know the the zeros and ones and the lasers were from chinese satellites and allegedly the layers monitor air pollution i'm like what the heck and then last month 20 chinese military aircraft crossed uh, unofficial buffer zone in the taiwan strait this has been an ongoing tension china is claiming Taiwan as a territory and does not recognize Taiwan's independence as a separate country. But America and Europe do recognize Taiwan as a separate country. And if you might recall, this became an issue during the NBA 
This became an issue with John Cena, where he actually apologized uh, to the Chinese people for saying that Taiwan was its own country. So why are we talking about all this? Because I think China, America, political tensions and military tensions are going to be in the news for a while. It's going to be discussed during the 2024 presidential election. It's already a topic that governors are discussing as it relates to Chinese investments and land purchases in the United States. The governor of Texas, for example, is considering not allowing Chinese uh, nationalists to own property in Texas. So uh, we'll see what happens. So we'll see what the political and economic implications are. Just to give you a sense of how connected our countries are economically, last year trade between the U.S. and China was almost $1 trillion, $700 billion. And there's already an effort underway to limit China's dominance of chip making technology and equipment. There's already conversations happening in Congress about U.S. companies, particularly Wall Street, and their investments in Chinese companies. That's tricky to me because I, I seen that article. Uh, well, I heard on the podcast uh, first, and then I seen the article, and they were saying that we could be going to war with China in 2025. Like they said, a four-star general said that, right? Mm-hmm. And then I seen um, Bill Maher, Malcolm Nance was on there, and, mm-hmm. and he makes it sound like, yeah, China's doing this, but this is some old ass technology. Like you I know, saw this, that. I don't know if like, I. This, I that don't get too worried and we captured it so now we are yeah. like now we have the ball you know type of thing it, it just sounded a little propagandish to make us feel like oh we, yeah. we got it like i don't know yeah I, it sounds like china's doing a lot i don't man. know malcolm nance i saw that and i was like mm, i don't know if i believe you my yeah, malcolm I, nance I like it just one. didn't it just didn't sound believable. Because if it was that serious, we wouldn't let them just buy up so much land and just do so much business and just, I mean, buy land in obscure places, like just the yeah. middle of nowhere America, acres of land owned by a Chinese shell company. If that was the case, we wouldn't do that. Like We would just shut it down. So uh, it's it's interesting to see, uh, to hear about the U.S. and China relations. It being, is being an American, like it's, it's, it's yeah, funny. it is, and I'm uh, I think there's I mean obviously there's way more happening than we know, right? Uh, we found out after we saw this by balloon that during the Trump administration there's at least three occurrences of a Chinese by balloon in the United States territory. So, you know, is it is it UFOs? Is it aliens? Is it China? I don't know, but something's fishy. Something fishy it's, is it's going China. on. Or, or both. Ah. <laughs> um, another thing I want to talk about, because we try to keep you guys updated on this, the Supreme Court at the end of February is going to hear oral arguments on Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. So keep in mind this in like two weeks. You'll be hearing more about it. So repayments could start as early as May or June. Uh, But if the Supreme Court does not rule until the end of their term, repayments would not start until August or September. At this point, there's little hope that the Supreme Court's going to actually rule in favor of the Biden administration. And then um, a couple weeks ago, 128 of the 222 House Republicans signed on to an amicus brief urging the court to block student loan debt relief. 
And then on the Senate side, 43 GOP senators also filed a separate brief asking the Supreme Court to go against student loan debt relief. Damn. I mean... It's like, come on, man. See, that's the type of stuff that... I think the Gen Zers are going to have something to say about that. Yeah. 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 It's like, not only are you against it, but you're filing an amicus brief. Like, just let the Supreme Court rule on it. But anyway, that's a... We'll we'll talk later about State of the Union, but this just kind of ties into why Biden is winning right now. Another thing that happened that I want to highlight is a Norfolk Southern train, which by the way, Norfolk Southern is an Atlanta-based company. Um, A Norfolk Southern train derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. I don't know if you've heard about this. Why are we bringing this up? So uh, a few reasons. There was a, a News Nation TV reporter named Evan Lambert, who he was arrested Uh, At Governor DeWine, who's the governor of Ohio, at his press conference where they were going to talk about what happened. He was doing a live shot and he's asked to stop. And then they immediately arrest him. And for what it's worth, the governor did say that that was inappropriate and it should never have happened. But take a listen to his report from before the press conference. Well, 2,000 residents in Ohio, they're waiting to hear when they can get home again after being evacuated for four days now. This comes after the fiery train derailment that had potential to turn into a deadly explosion. Now that the situation has been controlled, there are concerns that the toxic chemicals that that train was carrying could still be in the air. Evan Lambert is in East Palestine, Ohio, where it all happened. He has more information for us right now. Evan. Good morning, Adrian. And we have been able to confirm this morning there was a fire at the site of the train derailment, but we are told by officials it did not involve a car with hazardous material. This happened during the cleanup process. It appears to be under control. We do not see any smoke from where we are. We also know this morning that investigators are waiting on results from air samples they took yesterday before they can tell people when they can get back to their homes. The mayor of the village here saying late last night that he is going to be supporting the affected residents for the long haul we're going to demand that you know there's still constant monitoring and you know we're, we're it was an accident um but you know norfolk southern is going to be responsible for it they're you know they're going to take care of it and we're going to make sure that you know that happens the Ohio Emergency Management Agency has still not cleared that evacuation zone as safe. National Guard troops, we saw them yesterday in hazmat suits. They came back with samples late yesterday evening. This controlled explosion Monday that sent billowing black smoke and the remnants of the toxic vinyl chloride into the air. That's the video you're seeing right now. Norfolk Southern Railway says it was done to prevent an even bigger and unpredictable explosion that was a risk. We have also started to to see dozens of fish that have turned up dead in a nearby stream. Ohio's Department of Natural Resources collecting the fish and trying to understand exactly what caused the fish kill. And businesses inside and close to this evacuation zone are feeling the effects of that closure. Like Southern Greenhouse, just outside the evacuation area, many of that shop's workers live inside the zone and have evacuated themselves, making it tough to get to work. It's devastating. This should be a busy time of year for us, and uh, there's no one here, but you can certainly understand that. Plants are not a priority right now. 
and what could be a good sign. Those National Guard troops that were taking air samples, we saw them in those orange hazmat suits that you saw in the video later that night, later last night, rather, they changed to white suits, saying that their measurements told them that they could wear that less protective gear. Adrian? All right, thank you very much, Evan. Let's get... <laughs> that right there is this. That's some cap. I need a cap button. <laughs> cap button. Man. So a little bit more background. Take a listen to this report from David Serrata. Now, yes, David is pretty left wing, but there's some interesting points here that he talks about. We just saw in the middle of the country a giant chemical fireball, 100 foot flames, and very few people asking questions about what led up to this. So there was a derailment in 2012 in New Jersey. Releasing 20,000 gallons of dangerous chemicals and noxious gas into the air. There's children in the town that are being affected by this. And there was pressure on regulators to do something about those kinds of trains. And so the Obama administration had a rule proposed to better regulate these trains. The National Transportation Safety Board told the regulatory agency, said, listen, these regulations should broadly cover not just oil, they should cover what's known as class two chemicals. And the chemical industry lobbyists went to work pressuring the regulatory agency to limit the definition of what a high hazard flammable train is. Limit it in a way that the train in Ohio, that kind of train ended up not being classified as a high hazard flammable train. The NTSB closely monitoring four cars that are filled with vinyl chloride. It has been found to be linked to cancer. Trains that were subject to this rule were going to be required to use a special kind of new braking system to try to deter or at least reduce the damage from derailments. ECP delivers the unmatched performance of air brakes with the precision of electronic communications. Most trains in the country are still using technology from the Civil War era, but the moment the government was considering making it a mandate. The railroad industry's changed its tune. It cited cost concerns to pressure against that rule. We want to see federal regulations when they're necessary, not just uh, in reaction to a headline in the, in, in the Washington Post. Obama's rule included that measure to expand the larger use of those brakes on the nation's rail system. But in that 2016 election year, the Republican Party got about $6 million from the rail industry. And Senate Republicans started beating the drum for Trump to repeal the rule. Donald Trump repealed the brake rule so that the industry does not have to even start to use these kinds of brakes. One former Federal Railroad Administration regulator told us that these brakes, which are known as ECP brakes, would have mitigated a disaster like this. And we just learned today, after the publication of our story, federal officials told us that this train did not have those brakes on the train. So if you really want to nerd out on this, you can go look up the transcripts from, like, I think it's 2007. Um, when the Federal Transportation Administration was looking at this, e these ECP brakes, they're called Electronically Controlled Pneumatic Brakes. That's what it stands for. So at the time, Norfolk Southern was requesting a waiver that would have saved them a ton of money, basically by deferring maintenance, if they had these ECP brakes. The rail unions were pro-new pro brakes, but they were concerned that if the railroad was granted the waiver, then there would be some safety issues. And at the time, this is what they said, and I quote, 
This waiver would represent a significant degradation of safety for the employees operating these ECP trains and for the communities through which these trains will pass. And so essentially what ended up happening is not like they weren't using ECP brakes because they didn't want to have to pay for additional maintenance. Now, remember the railroad workers have been fighting for a new union contract and have been concerned and talk, complaining about safety, especially during the pandemic. We talked about this probably, I think it was like October or November of last year. And according to the local news in East Palestine, the National Transportation Safety Board is expected to have a preliminary report in about four weeks or so um, with a final report on this train derailment issue uh, being expected in about two years. So residents of this town, I know entirely, like, why is it so late, so long? I don't understand. My guess is that part of it is they just don't have the staffing. And, you know, imagine, ev because the National Transportation Safety Board, it's every transportation mode. It's not just trains, it's cars, it's airplanes, it's Amtrak, it's everything. Um, so residents rightfully have filed a federal lawsuit uh, to require Norfolk, Norfolk Southern to set up health monitoring. Um, the evacuation order that, that we talked about earlier is over, but there's still concern about air and water quality. And here's what one resident said to local media, and I quote, I hope Norfolk Southern can guarantee this won't happen again, and I hope that the village and the state Make sure that Norfolk Southern pays residents what they deserve in all of this. I think people are going to realize we won't know the full impact this has had on our village and our surrounding environment for a while still. And the local news also went on to mention that a lot of the people living in this area are living paycheck to paycheck. Right? So imagine you immediately have to evacuate. That means you're not able to work because businesses are shut down. You got to find someplace else to stay. You got to find food, pay for food. When you get back home, you got to throw out everything that you already had in the groceries, in the in your fridge. You're nervous about the water supply. So do you decide to buy bottled water? You know, it's just like, it's a absolutely terrible, vicious cycle. My city had a uh, boil uh, water advisory for like right. three days. And I was like, I don't see how people in Flint did it. I don't right. see how Jackson for these months, people months just years. using bottled water and jugs of water and having to boil the water. And I mean, it was three days. I mean, we, we just right. went somewhere else. We went to my dad's house. But right. I was like, months? Damn. Yeah. Man, that's, that's in America. Right. Right. Mm -mm. Um, so it this is, you know, this is one of those things where you've got the poor and working class who are getting shafted by something that seems to be um, a per something that was preventable. And it really came down to corporate greed. Um, by the way, remember the whole issue with railroad workers fighting for pay time off and Congress not backing them on pay time off? So CSX, which is another rail company, they announced that they will be providing four days of paid sick leave annually and there will be an option of converting three personal days into additional paid sick time. So at least CSX employees are getting some break.
All right, a couple of labor updates. I mentioned this, I think, back in... Maybe it was the first episode of the year. So uh, I mentioned that people in France were protesting because the president of France, Emmanuel Macron, has planned to raise the retirement age by two years, from 62 to 64. Over the weekend, this past weekend, almost one million people in France marched in protest to this change that Macron is suggesting. This is now the fourth time that they have protested in 2023 about this. Over the weekend, uh, air traffic controllers were part of the march, which meant that half of the flights from France's second busiest airport were canceled. Imagine the impact of this an entire country almost a million people protest and it impacts every industry including tourism the government has to pay attention to that now macron is kind of staying put and saying he's not he's not gonna budge on this but i bet it makes him reconsider other things that he might be you know wanting to do and as i always say should be a lesson to americans Um, Another interesting labor thing, uh, Republicans in Iowa and Minnesota introduced bills to loosen child labor law regulations. Uh, In Minnesota, their bill would permit 16 and 17 year olds to work construction jobs. In Iowa, 14 and 15 year olds could work certain jobs in meatpacking plants and they can't operate heavy equipment but they would be working certain jobs in meat plant, meat packing plants. Cap, any job, they say you're just going to do one thing, you're going to do more. <laughs> so meat packing, no, but construction, I love that for the construction. Because really? that's 17, that's 11th, 12th grade. If I've been doing it for two years in high school, I don't yeah. have to go to college. If I'm not college bound, I can get construction going. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, that's, I wish they did that in Georgia. I like that. Mm, yeah. Well... Maybe a Republican legislator is listening and might draft some legislation. Now, the part about this that I'm not too keen on is that um, in Iowa, the bill would exempt businesses from civil liability if a young person is sick, injured, or killed due to the company's negligence. So if it's the company's fault, they would be exempted from civil liabilities. That doesn't make an ounce of sense to me. Because aren't regular workers covered? Yes. <laughs> no, like, well, what is this? I don't get this. Now it sounds like some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing it would do is if the teen is hurt, I think I get this. I actually I don't understand why they would be liable. If a teen is hurt because of their negligence on the job, or if they are injured traveling to or from work, then the company would also be free of civil liability. No, they need to be liable for that too. I'm going to tell you why. I used to work in in high school. I've I've been working since 15. Teenage negligence is still the manager's fault because you see, I mean, even a grown person negligence. Oh, they're being negligent on the job. You get a write-up and you get fired. So if you're not doing that, and then the teen ends up doing something, yeah, it's your fault. Hmm. Another part, 
is that kids under 16 would be allowed to work until 9 p.m. instead of 7 p.m. I'm not okay with that on school nights. No, I'm with it. Mm-hmm. I'm with it because they're going to stay up anyways. They're going to stay up and watch TV. 15? Yeah. 15-year-old? Yeah. They're no. Gonna, they're going to stay up until 9 o'clock anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to stay up until 9, playing around your on your Xbox or whatever. You can, you can stay up until 9 to make some money. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm, I'm not. I'm my 15 year old's not doing that. I mean, you know, school will come first, but like if you done right. everything you needed to do, I mean, it's it's part of being a you know. But you, that's you, the pr- I think that's the challenge. I think the kids who are going to be working are kids who are from poor and working class families. And that's yeah, then that's right. That's so they're they're working to help offset the cost of their family's expenses. Mm-hmm. They're not working to just like. Oh, I want to be able to, yeah. Yeah. I want this. I want this game, and my dad said, (laughs) "I got to have my own money." Yeah, yeah. That's one thing. And and see, I'm always thinking of high school kids working in that capacity. I don't, but you know, we know how things happen. So people do need that extra income. But yeah, okay. In that sense, yeah. But in general, yeah, make that money, man. Yeah. Uh, Another interesting thing is, um. In Iowa, I believe it, or maybe it's in both. I don't recall. There's a special driver's license that you can get if you're 14 and a half. Which kind of, I mean, if you're living in a rural area, I guess it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, I wish we would have had that, but I, <laughs> do, do you know this generation I don't, of I kids? I don't want Atlanta kids at nah, 14 I mean, these, and a half. These kids don't drive. I know. Like these 14 yeah. and I'm, I want to know the statistics of how many. Uh, kids that have the uh, license went down yeah i i I also am curious to see what's the difference between kids who would live in metro city metros Mm -hmm. and kids who are living in like super super suburban or rural areas of america because you gotta drive because like you gotta my great grandmother's house was like a mile away from my uncle's house so like my cousin would have to get in the car and go in the pickup truck and it wasn't right it was he up on the highway no but Dirt road real quick right. on the street. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with it. Yeah. And then the last interesting kid law thing is that 16 and 17-year-olds would be allowed to serve alcohol if their parents give them permission. I'm with that, too. I'm with that, too. Because I'm telling you, I used to work in high school, and it was so many things that limited me. Yeah. I, I worked at the Brave Stadium. I could not do the, the beer. I couldn't work in certain stands that had beer because... I was 16. Mm-hmm. But if my dad said, no, nah, it's cool, I could have been making hella tips. Like, yeah. Because those are the ones that give you all the tips. So it's like, yeah, I, I like that with parents' permission. I like that. I think, I mean, if the parents are given permission, then that's one thing. But again, my my concern about this is, about all of these or a number of these bills, is the difference between a kid doing this just to pay for the flashy pair of shoes that their parents aren't buying them and the kid paying for this because or the kid working because they've got to help put food on the table and then making this a real job career, yeah. not going to college thinking that oh, I'm right. going to be serving beer for yeah. the next 10 years like now nah. <laughs> you need yeah. a real job yeah that that's my only but we'll see we'll see what happens I wouldn't be surprised if this law gets implemented in other states outside of Iowa and Minnesota Shoot, let the right Georgia company hear this and be like, <laughs> uh, Lieutenant Governor, we've got I mean, some legislation for you. Chick-fil-A already does it. Well, yeah. Chick-fil-A got in trouble for 
I think it was something. It wasn't. I think it was an Alabama store, because there are only a certain number of hours you're mm-hmm. you're capped at X number of hours per week if you're underage, and they and got they got it. Yeah, they got in trouble <laughs> for letting for letting or requiring. Hey man, I'm a hard worker. You know, right? We get in the showers. Yeah. Mm. What the grades like though? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do our party starter as I figure out who the party pooper is. I don't know yet. Our party starter is Dark Brandon, a.k.a. Joe Biden. He had one of the best job reports we've seen in a while. He didn't get a lot of cred for that. Uh, Last month, the U.S. added 517,000 jobs. Unemployment is at 3.4% across the country. Hourly wages have increased for specialized working class jobs. And then he crushed the State of the Union address. Um, I honestly was surprised. Um, he backed Republicans into saying that they will not cut entitlement programs. Take a listen to this clip. They pay their fair share. Some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. Let me give you anybody who doubts it. Oh man, that cracked me up. 
I like that. I like that. See, I like that interview. Yeah. And, and you know, called him out on it. Right. <laughs> so right. apparently it's not going to get cut. Right. Yeah, now, don't like, ask what's going to happen when we are in our oh, no, we, 70s. We, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting. You know, you know I'm, uh, I'm running for city council, so, you know. No, you know, you need you need to be running for Senate so you can keep Social Security for millennials and Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. What's what's that bit of time? What's that bit of time? I'm, 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 gonna right. get, I'm gonna get it together. I'm gonna get it together. But I do like that. That, that was that was pretty yeah. smooth. That was pretty smooth. Yeah. And I wonder, does that play into like this child labor thing you just talked about? You know, getting more kids to work to pay into this social. It could security? be because that's the funniest. Those are the funniest videos online. It's like teenage kids first paycheck right and they worked all these hours yeah and they're like wait where did all my money go <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> now there was one senate republican who was shaking his head while biden is talking about not cutting entitlement programs and he gave this like no one's trying to cut entitlement programs look but take a listen to what republican senator mike lee said when he actually ran for public office it will be my objective to phase out Social Security, Denied. to pull it up by the roots and get rid of it. Here, here, here. Um, people who advise me politically always tell me that's dangerous, and I tell them, in that case, it's not worth my running. That's why I'm doing this, to get rid of that. Medicare and Medicaid are of the same sort and need to be pulled up. It will be my objective. Yeah. Did you see who he was talking to, though? Mm-hmm. Old people. Yep. 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 <laughs> Are they the ones that get the? Yep. <laughs> uh, politics is a game of often voting against your own financial interest. Um. So I, we'll see what happens. I don't. I don't see Republicans. I see them kind of like staying quiet on this for a little while because it's hot right now. Mm-hmm. But coming back to it. You know, in it, six it, months or so. I don't think it's I don't think it's anything they'll bring up during these elections. It's it'll be something they bring up if they get a Republican president. Then yeah. I can see it coming right. And if Democrats up. are smart, they would just run ads in every battleground state of Republicans saying that they will cut these entitlement programs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, I found my party pooper. Yeah, her go around singing the party pooper song. Every party needs a pooper. That's why we invited you. Party pooper. <laughs> party pooper. All right, all right, all right. It's kind of funny. Um, although I don't really like talking about him. It's Trump. <laughs> because he was ordered to pay nearly a million dollars in legal fees to Hillary Clinton and other groups, 10 other groups for frivolous lawsuits that he filed against them. And I just think that's kind of funny. He has to pay Clinton $171,631 in legal fees over bogus lawsuit. Wow. Wompity womp. Now, will she get the money? I don't know. But I just think it's funny Um, (laughs) because he always, I mean, this is what he always would do, right? Is Yeah, do these fake lawsuits. Yeah, yeah. that's that's one of his tactics. You know, I'm so curious to see what the heck is going to happen in 2024 with the presidential election. Yeah, it feels weird. They keep talking about Trump and DeSantis and 
those aren't Republicans that I feel like excite a lot of people. And then Biden. Uh, I don't know. I think DeSantis and his, you know, anti-woke rhetoric is definitely exciting to to a lot of Republicans. I think that Republicans are very good at like not saying thing not like not saying certain things but dog whistling right like able to get that that yeah. low key black base to kind of vote Republican but putting DeSantis or Trump on it you have a better bet with Trump but DeSantis on the ticket no nah, I don't I don't see it and then DeSantis just did the whole I didn't, I didn't even talk about the AP black history yeah see all stuff. that like African American books getting cut yeah. Like, yeah that's so yeah I don't see that really helping Republicans like that if you put DeSantis on the ticket, then Biden's going to win. Like that's one of those. It's, it's yeah. It's I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. A year is a long time. I know Biden's riding high today. Year By January 2024, there's no telling what in the world would have happened between now and then. Yeah, you're right. But I don't know. I mean, DeSantis got you know three young kids or two or three young kids. You know, wife. I hope somebody just he's got of, the he's got the public. I want somebody from left field to just come out of nowhere, like, "Hey, we're going." I'm with it. You know, just something new. You know what I'm saying? Andrew Yang, just kidding, just know. kidding. You know, <laughs> you know, you know who I'm with. President. Oh, Kemp. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna. I need to reach out to Kemp's folks and see if they'll. I'm like, come on, y'all. Well, come on, come on the pod. Come, come on, on the pod, pod. Yeah. Kemp. We have a uh, blacks for Kemp. I started. Well, wait, okay. <laughs> you took it further than I was taking it. <laughs> All right, y'all. As always, thank you for listening and tuning in. We are back. I missed you. I hope you miss me. Leave a voice note if you're like, hey, if you want Kemp, leave a voice note. Yeah, tell yeah, us, tell us note. what you want us to ask Kemp. You Are go. you down with Blacks for Kemp? Hey. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. As always, thank you, thank you. And until next time, tell your folks it's where to party at. <laughs> <laughs>